What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Grit Fitness and Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Sanchez, and today I'm joined by O'Shane, and uh, we are going to continue our conversation about health being um, simple but not necessarily easy. So if you missed the episode last week, um, O'Shane and I talked about um, sleep and why you need seven to eight hours per night and how to go about navigating the hurdles, preventing you from doing that. And we also talked about eating more whole, real foods and getting enough protein on a daily basis and kind of how to overcome the hurdles that you will um, see on a day-to-day basis in order to achieve that. So if you missed that episode, uh, go ahead and give that um, a listen. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, Leave a review, share it with all your friends, um, and if you like Grit Fitness and Performance as a whole, visit our Instagram page at Grit Fitness and Performance and give us a vote for South Jersey's best gym workout center. We are trying to go back to back on that one. We won last year, so of course we're trying to win again. So every vote matters, and of course we would love you guys forever if you went uh, and voted for us. So having said all that. Today we're going to dive into the next two topics, um, which are basically hydration and strength training. So we'll see where the conversation takes us. Um, but before we do that, O'Shane, how's life? How are you doing today? I uh, can never really complain, enjoying every moment of it. There you go. So um, we will we'll dive right into it, um, and we will start with talking about drinking water so right off the bat at the surface level drinking water sounds uh, incredibly simple all you have to do is just drink but you would be shocked at how many people fail to do this for one reason or another way you know whether it's they simply just forget to do it because they get caught up in you know the the hustle and the grind of you know their work and kids and whatever else they've got going on um or for whatever other reason that it may be um so i'm going to uh we'll start with o'shane and he can kind of touch on this but um so o'shane what do you how are you guiding clients through this whole hydration process i know it sounds silly to really talk about you know, encouraging and coaching people on how to drink water. But, you know, what are you basically telling these people um, when it comes to the importance of hydration, why they need to do it? Um, I'll kind of leave it open-ended and you can kind of go from there. Well, I mean, uh, I think hydration itself has a ton of benefits because, one, if you're not hydrated, I think you can feel it in your day-to-day life in terms of, like, things you do. You probably won't be sleeping well either. Yes. Uh, So, uh, you know, just – having a like getting water in the body i think you know and a consistent amount actually helps the body because the body is made up pretty much of a ton of water yeah uh you know also saying that's a really uh tough thing because you know it is something myself struggle with a bit uh in terms of getting enough water in a day uh you know i think it's just breakdown of technique like some people like a big gallon bottle like mm-hmm. me i can't do that yeah because i see it i'm like ah it's just too much yeah i prefer the little you know, 16 ounces at a time. Uh, so I think it's just kind of like figuring out like, all right, what kind of works for you and what doesn't, and then, and then taking it from there. Like, right. But also like uh, another thing I tell clients is, you know, a lot of people will say, Hey, I don't like to get on a scale, but I think that's a great way to 
indicate like if you're getting enough water because like say you know you pee and your pee looks good uh, I would say like good indication if you're getting enough water especially like after workout is weigh yourself before and after because that kind of gives you a great indication of did I intake enough water right so so when you say and I know this sounds weird but I'm sure there are people out here who don't know the answer to this question so when you say your pee looks good like how are you instructing clients like like as clear know. as possible okay gotcha yeah so that i i say basically the same thing to a lot of clients i'm like listen if you pee and it looks like apple juice i'm like you you definitely need to increase your your water intake um for sure and and you're you're right it is a very kind of individual thing and different things are going to work for different people like i know we have several clients in here who carry around those big 64 inch you know or 64 ounce water bottles and it's like marked on the side where it says like you know 10 p.m you should drink to this line 11 12 like whatever it may be and it gives them that accountability um that they need but i like for me i think a lot of people just simply forget to do it you know what i mean like the 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 thirst response doesn't necessarily kick in like right away it's more of like a delayed thing you don't realize you need water until it's a little too late for the most part. So like, I know me and I think you and I are very similar in the sense that like, you know, I, I carry around, I don't even know how many ounces this thing is, um, like 24, 32 ounce Yeti. And I basically just sip kind of as I coach, but I think it's very, uh, common for people to just forget that they need to do it. So I do think more people probably need to carry around something whether it's just a little 16 ounce you know water bottle pollen spring and you just sip it as you go throughout the day um, because hydration is like you said in the very beginning so important your body's 70 percent water basically and i don't think people realize like how you know you you could be dehydrated like in the smallest amount and it can have an incredible uh basically like detrimental effect on your cognitive abilities your physical performance um so like you know a lot of people aren't aware of this until it's actually a problem but you could say that for almost anything health related you know like a lot of too many people are reactive in nature instead of proactive you know so like, another uh very interesting point about that too is a lot of times you feel like you're hungry and you don't realize you're actually just dehydrated right and it's causing you to overeat yes yes so that is something that is very uh something you should watch i always tell clients to watch out for yeah absolutely and i think that point right there is enough to drive home for a lot of people so if you just tell them like listen staying hydrated can actually help you lose more fat and people right away they're locked in and they're already going to say like well okay that's all i need to do is basically just drink more water like that's fantastic that's, that's such a great way to go about things um so now one of my other notes that I have for a reason why people do not stay hydrated on a regular basis is because they think water is boring. They don't enjoy the taste of water and it's basically a chore and they would much rather drink Kool-Aid, soda, juice, whatever it may be. So what are some of the strategies that you're giving to clients in order to combat their belief that water has no taste, no flavor, and it's boring, and it's like more of a chore to do so than something that they enjoy? Uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Uh, there are times when I myself think it's boring. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, you got to understand, like, 
there are certain things that fundamental to the body in terms of if you wanted to perform, if you want to feel a certain way, if you want to be able to do all the other things you want to do, there's a reason why you have to intake water. Right. Uh, I mean, I do think like, you know, juices, soda, all these things serve their purposes, but predominantly the body needs a certain amount of water that you just need to give it to. There's just no going around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, I mean, as you said, you know, like physical, cognitive, all that stuff, you I mean, you will feel it. Yeah, definitely. Now, have you personally or with clients, have you ever experimented with like flavoring the water with like fresh fruit or like actually cutting up strawberries, like putting it in the water bottle and like letting it marinate so it's got that flavor of the fruit? Uh, I mean, I have. Uh, I mean, there are clients that does that. I, I say it's more of a personal thing. Like I, I will, you know, I give them that option as well. Hey, maybe that will work for them. There are some be like, ah, not really for it. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like you have to somehow get it in, right? So it's just like whatever I tell them, like, hey, you know, whatever your preference is, how you decide to do it. I mean, I'm all for it. Just try to get it in on a daily basis, right? So, what are your views on like the um, like flavor additives, like the little things that you squeeze in the water? mix it around supposedly like the sugar-free ones are you a fan of that do you tend to avoid it just because whatever? uh well so in the past like from my experience uh i've tried it myself even though i feel like it made me drink a ton of water uh i don't know i still have a little bit of reservation about it because it's not all natural right i think i mean we tend to forget like you know we need more natural stuff in their body so Mm -hmm. that's the only like uh, drawback for me with that right yeah and i feel the same way um i think initially if it helped a client kind of develop a habit of drinking more i would say it's probably okay but eventually like you don't want to have to rely on these little mio packets or the crystal light squeezy flavor guys like if you're relying on those for every single beverage that you drink i think over time and i'm not like exactly up to date on like the you know studies and science um with regards to like these flavor additives and if they're detrimental to the body but i will say i think initially if it helps you develop better hydration habits i'm probably all for that but eventually you kind of want to wean it's almost like training wheels you know like if you learn how to ride a bike you start off with the training wheels but eventually you have to learn how to kind of take them off and not have to rely on those things to stay hydrated. Um, what about other drinks like um, coffee? Are you um, encouraging clients to drink more coffee if it gets more liquid into their body? Or are you trying to steer them to, like, how do you navigate that conversation? Just because I know, you know, coffee's a extremely popular beverage uh i mean i think like if you're a coffee lover uh i would never you know get in between you and your coffee (laughs) (laughs) but uh at the same time i think you know it has to be a balance like you know i tell a client like hey if you're having a cup of coffee at the same time maybe have a cup of water with it right because you know i've you know i've had experience where clients are telling me they have five six cups of coffee a day and how tired they are Mm -hmm. and i would tell them you know how much water you're drinking and they'll they could see like you know from drinking a bit more water like how much like less coffee they need to like actually like function throughout the day right because you don't realize like you know i'm dehydrated i'm more tired and it's making me want to drink more coffee and more coffee 
and then it's like all right it goes from being i enjoy drinking coffee to being more for sure yeah and that's what you know and it's like what's the point of that right and i mean if you like if you're relying on uh, to me anything north of like four cups for the average person is like you you've got some underlying issues that you absolutely have to address like if you're if you need four five six plus cups of coffee per day just to get you through the day like you've got bigger issues than i you, agree with that you know right like there's something deep-seated that we need to address whether your sleep is completely screwed up or your diet is in the shitter or like you know you've got something like maybe have, I, don't, I don't know maybe a visit to the doctor like get some work done and see like where there's an issue but um i agree i wouldn't i would never get in the way of someone's call i mean i drink coffee every day um so but uh yeah i think i think you've pretty much said it best like as long as you're you know keeping things balanced and you're not just drinking that single beverage um i mean really at the end of the day like i think a lot of people just need to grow up in a sense and just start drinking more water you know like it's just one of those things that it's got to get done you know um you know you don't necessarily want to do a lot of things in your life but they have to get done just because you know it's beneficial for you so you do it you suck it up and you do it um and then um what else so in terms of uh, any other strategies uh, do you have any go-to methods or any other issues that you've come across with um clients in your day-to-day -day life that um you know they've they've struggled with getting drinks or whatnot. Or we pretty much cover everything. Um, I think for now, I think yeah, we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, I agree. And I think this one, I think out of all the topics that we cover, I think drink water is probably the simplest topic because um, there's really not much to it other than you just need to stay on top, make sure you're doing it. So like if you if you find yourself struggling, you know, just like. Um, with uh getting enough activity set an alarm on your phone to remind you like hey time to drink um actually another practice that i've i've really um i try to do this more often i'm not the best at it but i try to drink like 16 ounces if not a little bit more of water like first thing upon waking up because you know when you sleep you're basically going six to eight hours of no hydration and if you did that throughout the day you would absolutely feel it but i think a lot of people don't realize how dehydrated they are in the morning just because they, they were asleep during it so like it was you know they they can't really they're not they don't have a conscious awareness of it um so i think first thing in the morning drinking like 20 ounces of water just just getting it done you can chug it doesn't have to be like a sip or anything but just to basically like you know give your body what it needs um flush everything out so you can take that you know first or i guess second morning pee um i think that's a good habit to get into and i think it will make a positive impact because we've already said this twice but you know a little bit of dehydration goes a long way in terms of affecting how you perform throughout the day so i think if more people just chug 16 20 ounces of water first thing in the morning i think they will feel tremendously better in the preceding two three four hours going forward um so that that topic is pretty cut and dry um you just need to make sure find a strategy that works for you but at the end of the day you just got to make sure you're you're getting it in um now the next topic that we're going to talk about this one is I've, we could talk about this one for probably like you know two hours in and of itself it's the topic of strength training 
and how, you know, the simple theory and, you know, practice is that for me, I think most people need to be strength training bare minimum two times per week. Okay. And just that idea, super simple, but obviously it's not that easy because there are so many variables that go into strength training. Are you doing a full body routine? Are you doing a split? What exercise am I doing? How many sets? How many reps? What's my rest period? Um, should I use dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells? Like there's a, there's a lot of things and it can be overwhelming to, you know, I'll, I'll say the rookie or whatnot. Um, so I'll leave it open-ended and I have a couple notes on why this isn't so easy to accomplish, but what are your initial thoughts on this topic? Uh, for me, I mean, I think you're completely correct in terms of, I think, bare minimum, at least two times a week mm -hmm. uh, is what everyone needs to be doing. Right. Uh, now, I think uh, in terms of, like, all right, what do I actually do? Uh, now, that is where I feel like a lot of people, like, get lost. Right. Because, like, you know, I know the norm in this world is, like, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to be doing this bodybuilding split, do this stuff. But from my experience, uh, just there is literally maybe 10, 15% of the population, if that much, that can actually complete a full like bodybuilding split. Yeah. Uh, on a weekly basis without no itch. Like, you know, we all have so much commitment in our life where it's like people just realize like, that's why I don't, I don't train bodybuilding style. I don't encourage any clients to train it. I think if you are like, doing a bodybuilding competition and you have the commitment and the time, then it's like, all right, it works. Right. But for the most part, I'd be like, all right, for most clients, I'd be like, maybe train full body or upper lower split. I think those are probably the best option for an everyday person. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, so why, I mean, I have my guesses as to this, but why do you think the bodybuilding approach is so popular amongst people who have no idea what they're well, doing? I, I think like social media plays a, big big role in yep. that in terms of that's what they it's promoted but a lot of people don't realize like the guys who like the people who actually if you look at the people who are actually really successful at this they have coaches mm -hmm. and they demand they don't really talk about like how much hours they actually spend on like nutrition coaching like in the gym all that stuff and it's like it's just impractical for the everyday person in terms of they don't have that much time right yes uh, and to me, I think the bodybuilding approach, you, I, you're 100% right. I think social media, and this dates back to like even pre-social media, you know, just going back to like magazine subscriptions and, um, you know, the movie Pumping Iron and back when like Arnold was in his heyday, like that's just what people saw. So they just assumed, wow, these guys look great. Like I have to do what they're doing. But I think as time has kind of gone on and this industry has evolved, you're starting to realize that there's more to overall health than simply looking good. Like, yes, that's a huge motivation for a ton of people. Like everyone wants to look good when they take their shirt off. But I think what a bodybuilding approach fails to address is so many other aspects of health that the average person today needs more of. Like the, the average bodybuilding routine and I could be mistaken, but because I'm not a bodybuilder, but like I never see any bodybuilders incorporating any type of like mobility work into their routine. Um, you never see them doing any sort of like explosive plyometric work, which to, like right off the bat, like a lot of people are just like, I don't I don't need that. But I yes, you, you do. do. <laughs> like you're wrong. You're you're so wrong when it comes to that. 
Um, and I, I just think it's as people continue to get educated and as they talk to people like you, like me, who have a little bit of skin in the game and we can educate them like, well, you do need to train to be fast and explosive for reasons X, Y, and Z. I think then it becomes a little more apparent, like, okay, maybe bodybuilding isn't the way that I should be going. And I think, you know, there are certain aspects of a program where you can take a bodybuilding-ish type approach, but I don't think it should be the whole thing going forward. You know what I mean? Um, okay, so going back to people, they don't know what to do when it comes to strength training. So at its, if you had to explain to a kindergartner what they should be doing two times a week, how would you lay out their plan? Well, all right, if I'm getting a brand new client um, who's never really worked out, um, deconditioned, uh, well, the first thing I'm saying here is, you know, I know the norm on social media, go for the barbell, go for, and I'm like, I'd probably start him more with, I think kettlebell is probably the easiest to teach movements. Mm -hmm. So kettlebell, dumbbell is where I'd probably start, and maybe even body weight. Right, absolutely. You know, I think just learning to move, get a body moving. I think that's where you start. Uh, I think focusing more on the compound movements versus the glory muscle movements. Mm -hmm. I think those are key and get in some ex in terms of core exercise. I wouldn't say go for more the aesthetic of, Oh, you know, I'm trying to get six back. It's more, how do I stabilize my core? So I have a stronger core so I can perform these movements. I think that is important. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then for me, and I'm sure you probably agree with this statement, but like if, if, if I were to tell like a newbie, like what should you be doing is that there are certain staples that go within like every exercise program in terms of like movements. You have your squat and a squat is just a squat. I think everyone knows what that is. You have your hip hinge, which is basically like your deadlift variations. You have pushes and pulls, which is exactly what it sounds like. Push-ups and then like row type variations. Um, you have single leg work, whether that's a lunge or it could be like a single leg deadlift variation, single leg hip thrust. Um, I think that's a huge aspect that a lot of people need more of because we live life on one leg at a time. Um, and then beyond that point, I think loaded carries are incredibly beneficial for oh, I agree with all humans. Um, and then we already touched on this. I think more people need explosive work. So like basically just performing everything that we just said very fast um, and even some low level plyometric work. Cause I don't think a lot of people need to be in here doing like, you know, these crazy like 30 inch hurdle jumps into, you know, broad jumps into a single leg, landing like i think that's that's the shit that you see on social media that people are like i don't need that like you do but you just need a much lesser version of those two things like you want to be reactive and you want to be explosive and you want to be able to do these things because i always use the example of like an emergency situation you know like if you're whatever son uh, like is about to run into a crowded road there's a car coming like are you going to take your time and you know mosey on into the road to go get him to make sure he doesn't get hit by a car or are you gonna fucking you know drop what you're doing and then be quick to go dodge and get him like you don't realize you need these things until you need them you know yeah. I, and uh 100 agree with all that statement because a lot of people don't realize like after 35 you lose your power faster yeah. than you lose your strength yes and you know like i think everyone can attest to this because they've had grandma granddad or someone old, like older folks in your life, and they can attest to them falling. Yep. They don't fall because they lack strength. They lack. They fall because they lack 
the the power, yes. the, the reaction to catch themselves right. before they fall. Yep. And that's a thing, you know, you try to teach someone like, all right, we're all going to get older. Yes. So we need to try to keep that as much as possible. Yep. So we don't fall. Yeah. Uh, we can, you know, maintain things and do things like the way we want to do them in our daily life. Right. Um, yeah. And you are, you're a thousand percent correct about the falling and being too slow to actually like catch yourself. And it's funny because I've had this conversation with clients before. This is like exact conversation. They were like, well, I don't understand why we do the stuff that we're doing right now. And I explained the same thing that you just explained. She's like, oh my God, you know what? That's actually, it's funny. Like my, whatever it was, my uncle, she's like last week was getting into a hot tub and he slipped and he wasn't able to fall himself and he fell and he broke his wrist or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's why we do that thing. And then funny enough, that same client, like a week later, same exact thing happened to her. But because she trains the way we train being fast, she was like, I was able to catch myself. And she was like, and then it just clicked. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like I finally understand now. So, I mean, hopefully you guys don't have to go through a relative (laughs) like breaking a wrist or a hip to like get through this point. But I mean, it's definitely an aspect that I don't think a lot of people get enough of. Um, So uh, going off a lot along those lines, like what are some of your favorite methods for training power explosiveness with your clients i mean i think like for upper body i mostly stick to med ball i think that's the safest yep uh especially like for everyday client uh doesn't really have any issue for lower body i mean you could do like box drums i think it's more like teaching clients like hey we're trying to stay as safe as possible but also like learning how to stack joints land on joints right stuff like that mm-hmm. uh it's like box drums like her like it's more like a like lateral bounds stuff like that that's what I stick to. You could like sleds, stuff like that. Use more for power. Um, you know, just the goal is to. I try to tell clients is like I'm not trying to get you to do anything crazy like what you see on right. Instagram. It's about just enough dosage where you can see the improvement, but also feel like I'm not putting you at a severe risk. Right. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of I'll call them like newbies, uh, rookies to this whole strength training thing too is you know they hear us talking and they say like oh you need more jumps and you need more sprints and whatnot and they're like i'm not i'm not ready for that like that's too much for me and that might be true you know like soccer soccer mom Susie who hasn't done anything in a long time but i think like uh, one of my favorite methods for this type of stuff too is doing the same exercises that they do for strength training but at a lighter load and just a, a faster movement speed. So like a goblet squat, you know, you can basically just cut the weight that you're doing. So if you can do 50 pounds for 10 reps, just grab a 25 and do it as fast as you can. Like that's still going to give the benefit of increasing your fast twitch muscle fibers, um, increasing your power output, making sure you're explosive. So it's kind of along the same lines, but learning how to blend everything into one well-rounded training program. Um, but just for the sake of time, we're going to move on to the next point because I feel like we can keep talking about that one forever. Um, so in terms of motivation, this could be a podcast in and of itself too. Um, how are you addressing clients or even people who just come to you with questions and they're like, listen, I know strength training is important. I just am not motivated to do it. What, what are you telling these people? Huh, that's uh so this is like I think probably the biggest uh thing in fitness is in terms of like motivation. Yeah. You know, the thing I tell clients is like, all right, 
in my perspective of like how I look at training is whether you train like this year or not, I mean, 2023 is going to come anyway. Yeah. Now I look at him and I said, the way I look at training is a lot of like, I think the biggest thing in terms of motivation for clients is one, they're going to look like, am I going to lose the result fast enough? Or two, is this going to be too hard? Yeah. And the thing I look at, I tell them is like, Hey, don't think about like, we're not here to kill you. Uh, just challenge you a little bit, but we're not here to kill you. And the goal is to, I don't want you to think you're going to try to accomplish everything in one session. The goal is to, can you accomplish just one little thing? Mm -hmm. And in a year, you're doing this six months in a year say you worked out 30 40 50 times then you're 30 40 50 times better yeah now you can just add other layers of you know eating better hydration all these other stuff that's where the results gonna happen in six months to a year you're gonna see like how you want to look but also like if you don't do it then you're still gonna be in the same situation are probably worse in a year's yeah, time probably um, <clears throat> Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the problem that a lot of people run into is that they're very, like, focused on the short term. You're like, no one's able to really think and plan in terms of, like, one year down the road, two years down the road. Um, so, like, what I would tell these people is I'm like, listen, you know, if you're wanting to start an exercise program and you can't just, you know, get your ass off the couch to do it, I'm like, motivation is never just going to hit you just one day. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to hear Rocky music in the background and all of a sudden just be like, oh, my God, like, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to kick ass. I'm ready to get started. Like, if you're waiting to get motivated, you're going to wait forever. So what I try to tell these people is I'm like, listen, action will always precede motivation. You will it will never be backwards. You will never be motivated to take action. Like, you have to do something to start. And then when, once you do that something, then you start to realize like, oh, hey, I feel a little bit better the next day. Or, you know, maybe after two sessions, you're like, yeah, you know what? Like my arms look more defined or whatever it may be. I'm like, you have to take action first. And then once you take action, results start to come. Once results start to come, you're going to be motivated to either not lose those results or get even more. So like for me... When people come to me and they're like, I'm just not motivated to do anything. And I'm like, well, it's because you're not doing anything. Like, you have to you have to well, do something. You know, the, you know, the funny. So this is like the funny thing. I always like share clients. I'm like, all right. So a lot of times like I hear, you know, clients say that and I would be like, hmm, interesting. So I'd ask them, like, you know, what degree they have or what they do for a living. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, just give an example, like an accountant. I'm like, all right, how much years do you go to school? You didn't go to school one day and just became an accountant. Yeah. You went to school for four years, maybe five, maybe longer uh, before you were able to become an accountant. So it's like, what makes you think probably like one of the most difficult thing, even though it's the basic thing to do, it's going to take one day or a week or two weeks or a month. Like, yeah. it's just unrealistic. Yeah. And I think like that's why a lot of people like, they struggle so much with fitness because they're always looking for that easy way of uh, maybe fitness is easy. Yeah. But it is not, you know, it, it is just, fitness is just not easy. I'm not going to say like, there's not one person I have ever met that say, you know what? Oh, this is easy. I don't have struggles. Like every single person has struggles yeah, with fitness. Absolutely. And I think it's just like understanding, like it's a process. Some days I win, some days I lose. Yep. And, but, but it, it's just, 
I come, I try to be consistent, and over time, I get the result. Right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, the problem they run into, um, especially like early on, is they try to bite off way more than they can chew. You know, it's like, okay, I live a lifestyle right now where I don't exercise. I barely move, um, uh, like haven't exercised since 1989. Um, but tomorrow I'm going to start a two hour exercise program, six days a week. And I'm going to hmm. stick to it. Like, no, you're not. Are you oh, kidding? You're not. Like that's you're setting yourself up for failure right there. Like there's no way. I like what I try to do, and I've become a huge fan of this. Is I'm like, listen, if you're trying to get motivated for change, the first thing that you try to change should be like incredibly small, like laughably small. So like when you tell me what you're trying to change for the first day, like I should almost scoff and be like, that's it. Like that's like yes, that's what you're trying to do. To give you an example, so let's say you want to change your sedentary lifestyle. And you want to start going for a 20-minute walk every single day. So a lot of people will be like, all right, I'm just going to go for a 20-minute walk tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 no. All I want you to do is put your shoes by the front door. That's it. And then they're like, well, why? Like, that's dumb. Well, it's like, no. Because if you put your shoes by the front door, you can do that, right? Like, that's, that's yeah. nothing. That doesn't require any effort or motivation on your end. But you're going to see the shoes at the front door. And you're going to say, maybe I should put them on. You put on your front You know, you put them on now. And you're like, well, I got my shoes on. Maybe I can go check the mail and go check the mail. You can do that, right? And even if you just do that for that day and you leave your shoes at the front door, day two comes around. I guess I could put on my shoes. All I did was check the mail yesterday. That was pretty easy. I'll walk around the block. Walk around the block. It takes five minutes. And then you build off those small things so that instead of going from zero to 60, you went from zero to five. And then you went from five to seven and then seven to 10. And then that's how you start to build motivation and more importantly, consistency with that motivation and i completely agree with that that's why like i always tell client i will probably like n no new client who's ever just coming up i'm like let's change let's start working out and change diet at the same time right i think you're literally gonna fail oh absolutely uh yeah. i always tell them you know eat how you're eating don't really matter just maybe start working out one or two times a week mm -hmm. if you can three and maybe just add a, maybe if they're not eating enough protein just add like a little bit more protein in their diet based off that's it. Yep. And I think it's just little by little change. Like it, like people don't realize like the biggest failure is like trying to do too much. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like it's scientifically proven. Like they've done studies on people and they say the more things that you try to change simultaneously, you are exponentially more at risk for failure. So if you try to change one thing, you have like an 89% success rate. You try to change two things. Well, now it's 49. You try to change three things. Now it's 29 and then you try, like the more you change, the lower that success rate is. So it's like, you know, if you're if you're looking to get motivated to create change, you need to create tiny changes, very small changes, you know. So like I have a lot of clients who come in here for the first time um, and, you know, they're like ready to go gung ho. And I'm like, all right, all we're going to do is one to two sets of everything. And the session lasts literally 25 minutes. And they, they look at me when they're done. They're like, that's it. Like, they're not even sweating. I'm like, that's it. Like, that's it. And then they come in the next day, and they're like, dude, I can't fucking walk. And you're like, well, I know that. But, like, mm, you, see, you, you see why we're doing the things that we're doing. And then we slowly build them up. <clears throat> and then come week four, then we're, you know, balls deep into the training program. And we're kicking ass. And we're moving weight and all that good stuff. Um, all right. Moving on, just because I feel like we can just keep going <laughs> just for the sake of time. Um, I feel like this is one that a lot of people don't address, but I think it's a 
big problem for a lot of people, and that's they are surrounded by an unsupportive environment, whether that's their home life, their friends, like whatever it may be. Have you ever had any interactions with clients where they've admitted to you, like, you oh, know, my wife? Ab- absolutely. Well, I, I know you have, but uh, talk a little bit about that and how you overcome that. So, uh, you know what? This is a really tough one because, you know, I myself, when I started out in the fitness industry, like, just being honest, like, I'm the only one in my family that works out. Mm. Which is, <laughs> like, a lot of people, I tell a lot of people that, you're like, ah, it's really surprising. But, you know, so I can, like, put myself in that shoe of, like, understanding, like, my family, like, like, what is working out? Like, yeah. what is that? They're, like, looking at me like. So, but uh, that is really tough. Like, you know, if you don't have support, you know, like your wife's, like, or your husband doesn't want you to work out, or you don't have someone, like, it is, it can become, like, a really lonely journey. Yeah. Uh, but I th- the thing I always say is, like, the benefit of working out, like, outweighs that. Because, you know, you start working out, you become more, more motivated. The more motivated you are. The more things you're going to be able to do, I think the happier you're going to be able to bring, like, be in your life and bring more happiness towards your life and towards the people around you. Mm-hmm. And the thing I have seen from my, my experience with that is I tell them is, like, just watch how you're working out and you start changing. And the minute you start changing, how it's going to motivate them to want to make the change. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, you're right. It can be incredibly tough because, I mean, like, no, I don't think people realize how much environment shapes their behaviors, like, subconsciously. Like, it's not, like, in your face, but it's more, like, subliminal, you know. Like, all it takes is for, like, your spouse just to say, like, I don't feel like cooking tonight. Like, wouldn't wouldn't you rather just order out? And, like, that's it. And it's just, like, a slit. And they, they become, like, your enabler. Like, if you had, like, a drug problem, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take a lot. And you yourself, you kind of have to be like the backbone and like that, you know, that concrete wall of like, I'm not moving like this is this is what I want. And I mean, it's you're right. It's tough. Um, But like what I've tried to tell people who have come to me and they're like, you know, listen, my friends are just they're constantly, you know, they want to go out. They want to drink. They want to do this. And it just doesn't line up with like my goals. And I'm like, listen. I'm like, are these good friends of yours? Like, yeah, of course. Like, I've known them for years. Or, you know, is, uh, you know, do you love your spouse? Like, do they respect you as a person? Like, yeah, of course. I'm like, listen, you, like, you need to have a heart-to-heart with these people, a borderline uncomfortable conversation. Be like, listen, what I'm trying to do is very important to me. And if you can't respect that and kind of, like, go along with it or even help me, like, I'm not saying you have to change, but listen, you have to respect what I'm trying to do. And if, you know, if your friends are like, what, like, I can't, that's not what I'm about. That's not what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm not saying you have to ditch your friends, but like maybe, you know, hang out with some new friends or something like, cause it's, it's just, it's tough, you know? Um, and even trying to get them on board with what you're trying to do, it's, it's, it's a very tough hurdle to navigate. So this one's, this one's a little bit tricky, but I think for me, the best policy would be just listen, you got to talk to these people. You got to let them know, like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And you're either going to help me or like, you're not, you know what I mean? And if they're not on board with that, you know, do they really care about you as a person? You know, like if someone came to me and they're like, listen, I'm trying to get off drugs. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds pretty important. Like, 
let me know what I can do to help. It doesn't mean I have to do drugs, you know? So I know that's like an extreme example. Um, but um, do you have anything to add to the uh, I agree because, like, you know, but then again, I think you can attest to this is, like, you will see, like, these same clients that uh, have the struggle. Months down the line when they're actually getting results, those same friends will probably join them here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. And 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 but that and that's the t- that the really tricky and tough part is like navigating that first two or three months right where that influence is so strong yeah um and it's funny you say that because like we do have a handful of clients who have started with us and they've talked about friends and family who like are not on board with what they're doing and then sure enough that one person stuck with it and you know they they held their ground and they didn't you know they may have bend you know, every once in a while, but they didn't break. And the friends and the family members have come to us and they've gotten on board too. So it's like, you know, maybe you just have to take a hard look in the mirror and say like, listen, can I be the example that these people, you know, need in their life? You know, like I'm not just doing this for myself. Like people around me are going to start to notice this too. And I could have a positive impact on them as well. And I've seen it happen like a bazillion times. So it's... and also I will say is another th- technique I use quite a few times is so I will have a client who has a similar story have them have a conversation because I think I mean I think we're good at training but in terms of sharing experience I think a client to a client there's nothing oh compared yeah to that. definitely because everyone just assumes we're perfect and we have <laughs> all the answers and like yeah. they just assume we have no problems and <laughs> we are perfect like, <laughs> oh shane is the model of health and he doesn't have any issues so like i can't Every- take what he says seriously <laughs> but if you get you know nicole and nicole is sharing her struggles like oh nicole's a real person like this is much more relatable so that's yeah that's a that's a really good point the only you just have to find a client who's willing to have those conversations which if they are great um but if they've you know been doing it long enough i'm sure they'd be happy to open up and share their experiences um, so we're running out of time, so we'll do the last note real quick. So in terms of being afraid of getting hurt, what are you telling these clients uh, with regards to strength training? Well, I mean, I definitely think that is uh, should be always be number one priority mm-hmm. in a training program. I think uh, you measure, even though you measure like, all right, I'm looking really good, uh, you know, all that stuff. I also think like if you're training for a whole year and you didn't get hurt, then your training program is working. Right. So I think that's, Number one, yeah. but uh, in terms of client that doesn't get hurt, I always tell them like, you're probably getting hurt because you're probably doing things way too fast than your body was prepared for. Right. So it's like that's what I always tell a client like, this is why we do the basic and we like to do, and we love to do the basic over and over mm-hmm. because the basic uh, keeps you from getting hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And I I approach this the same way every time. And I agree with everything you've already said, so I won't repeat it. <clears throat> but if a client comes to me and they're like, yeah, I'm just, I, you know, I'm not for strength training just because I'm afraid to get hurt. I'm like, listen, like you are probably more at risk for getting hurt by not strength training than you are hmm. by strength training. And like the example I use, it's a stupid one, but I'm like, listen, let's say you have an 80 year old man, right? Uh, you have, uh, you have uh, the first guy, 80 years old. He's capable of deadlifting. 200 pounds off the ground, no pain. He can do it easy. Okay. And then you have a second old man. He can barely do five body weight squats without struggling and using assistance. I'm like, who, who do you think is going to be more capable in their life to walk down a flight of stairs without falling and 
you know, busting their ass. And, like, even to the person who's completely brand new to this, they know nothing about exercise. They're going to be like, well, the stronger guy is going to be more likely to not get hurt in day-to-day life just because he's more capable. You know what I mean? So I'm like, well, there you have it. So I'm like, we strength train to prevent these bad things from happening outside of here. You know, like, as long as you're approaching this in an intelligent manner and you are starting at a point that is even with your ability levels, you know, you're going to be fine. Like you would never take someone who's 30 pounds overweight with severe mobility restrictions and have them do like a conventional deadlift off the floor on day one. You'd probably start with learning how to hip hinge and then going into maybe an elevated kettlebell deadlift. Like you have to meet these people where they're at. No, And I, I agree. It's like, so like same thing, like, you know, you see a client come in here like brand new and you're like, oh yeah, I see someone deadlifting 200 pounds. You're like, why am I not doing it? I'm like, you know, you can't even touch your toes. Uh, <laughs> you probably should be able to touch your toes first. <laughs> yeah. like, and explain that like, that is like what's going to lead to an injury because if I don't address these little things, like even though it's really basic, yeah, that's what leads to an injury. So like, it's like simple things like that. Like, you know, just explaining that like, hey, this is why we do what we do. Right. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, but, um, yeah, I am, I'm firmly in the belief that not strength training is more dangerous than actually strength training will ever be. I mean, like I'll use myself as an example, but like, I know a lot of other 32 soon to be 33 year olds who do not strength train on a regular basis. And they're constantly dealing with Hmm. knee pain, low back pain, shoulder pain, and they don't know why. And I'm like, I know, ex- I I know why, but like, uh, you know, <laughs> I can say the same. I, I have a lot of people, a lot of friends I grew up with, you know, they tell me about all the pains they have. And yeah, I have this conversation about like, hey, this is why you need to do it. Right. They don't really listen to what I'm saying. I guess. Right. But I know like that's why I don't have pain. Yeah. And we're literally the same age. Yeah. And it comes back to I know we said this really early in the podcast, like a lot of people when they start off their fitness journey, it's all about aesthetics. But there's so much more to it that goes in. Like you are literally, when you are strength training, you are literally increasing your overall resiliency to just handle life. Like you are, you're bulletproofing yourself. So when something happens, you're fine. You're okay. You know what I mean? It's like, would you rather get into an accident in a, you know, Ford F-150 or like a Ford Focus? Like. Of course, I'd rather be in the Ford F-150. Ford F-150 is going to destroy anything that hits it. Whereas if you're in a Ford Focus, you're going to die, probably. Um, which is like, <laughs> my wife has a Ford Focus, so it's like a bad example. But um, that, that's kind of how I view things going for with strength training and everything. And I know we have to cut it just because uh, we got clients rolling in the door and whatnot. But uh, O'Shane, do you have anything to add uh, with regard to these last two topics, hydration or strength training? Uh, I mean, I would just say... You know, for uh, potential clients or clients that's uh, already training, they have questions. I think it's just understanding, like, social media is there to sell you things. Mm-hmm. I think it's always, like, when you when it comes to, to like, strength training, look for the person that's going to help you understand where they're not really trying to sell you something. It's more like they're trying to teach you something where it can benefit you right now but also benefit you 10, 20 years down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, and having said that, obviously, if anyone listening to this has any questions, you guys are more than welcome to reach out to myself, to Shane, to uh, Grit's account and ask questions, whatnot. Um, O'Shane, what's your handle off the top of your head? 
your Instagram handle? Ah, uh, the fifth PB. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth PB pie. <laughs> Peanut butter pie. <laughs> so, O'Shane is at the fit PB pie. Uh, you can ask him about that when you send him a message. Um, but, I like, you know, he and I were both in the same page, like, love talking chop, love answering questions. Um, and we are like, that's, that's what we aim to do. Uh, so we're not trying to sell you anything. Like obviously if it ends up turning into something like that, that's fantastic. But that's obviously not why we're doing this. We don't get paid for this podcast. We don't get paid to do the social media stuff. Um, so legitimately, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. But on that note, we will end this episode. Um, and then the next episode we should be talking about, uh, movement just in general, not even exercise, and then stress. So that should be a good one as well. Um, So without that, we will end this podcast, and then we'll see you guys on the next one.